Welcome to the Wall Builder Show, where we take on the hot topics of the day from a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective. You're actually joining us for the conclusion of a three-part series. Congressman Barry Loudermilk speaking at the Pro-Family Legislators Conference on the topic of being a constitutional conservative in a culture of populism. So we're going to jump right back in where we left off yesterday. Here's Congressman Barry Loudermilk at the Pro-Family Legislators Conference. Doing what's right is always right. It's not always popular, and it's rarely easy, but it's always the right thing to do. In the populist movement, political achievement is measured on volume, not on success. Think about that. It's measured by volume. How loud of a voice you have matters more to us than what you're actually getting done. And the reason is because they're angry and they just want to know that you're angry. And as long as you act angry, okay, well, we don't care that there's nothing being done, but as long as you're angry about it, that only lasts for so long. There's one thing about populist movements. They don't last for an extended amount of time. And so we have to be persistent. But if you think about the most popular folks in the state legislatures, in the federal government, it's those that are the loudest. And I can usually count on less than one finger what they've actually accomplished in the legislature. So, and it's not a criticism of them, it's understanding this populace, our constituency. That's what they're looking for. So you may have to be a little noisy on certain things, but it's best to be noisy when it comes to constitutional issues. And they believe that there's no time to wait. We can't just we, we can't wait for the process to go through. We need change and we need it now. So let me run through quickly a few examples of just what I've seen happen in the last couple of years of legislative examples of where something that we would agree with the populist movement, but the way it was done was improper. And for someone like myself who stands on constitutional principles, I get beat up back home. You're going you're gonna to face some of these things, same things. Let me, uh, let's look at the first one, Biden impeachment. And I'm not talking about the one we're going through right now. Kevin McCarthy, a speaker, he declared the, uh, an impeachment inquiry, which is the proper process. Think about anything that has to do with a crime in America, right? A crime has been committed. What do you have? You have an investigation you find that there is significant evidence. You look at a broad, you got persons of interest. We're doing this in my January 6th investigation, trying to figure out where the intelligence failure or suppression of intelligence happened within the Capitol Police. We got three persons of interest. I'm calling them in. We're, we're interviewing them. We're talking to them. We're trying to figure out, one, was there, was there intentional suppression of the evidence that the three-letter agencies on the executive side had that there was going to be violence and an attack on the Capitol, which was known several days in advance. That information was never passed to the leadership of the Capitol Police. So we're trying to figure out, was this intentional? Was it suppressed? Well, we're not making accusations yet because we're doing it in more in-depth investigation. Once we find a level of evidence, then we go further and say, okay, well, this is the primary suspect here. We're going to go a little bit further. What we're looking for is hard evidence, right? We're looking for hard evidence. In an impeachment, you got to have hard evidence because all we do in the House is we bring the charges they're tried in the Senate. And if we send an impeachment over there without any 
hard evidence, then it's just a political maneuver and nothing ever happens and it's a fundraising opportunity for the other side, right? If we're going to do impeachment, we need to do impeachment constitutionally. Constitution says that impeachment is for specific causes. Now, this impeachment was introduced on January 21st, 2021. Joe Biden was inaugurated on January 20th, 2021. It was literally the day after he was, he was inaugurated. So if we impeach on high crimes and misdemeanors, the guy hadn't had time to commit any, right? He did a whole lot of stuff we didn't like that day. But, and, and the, the title was Impeachment of Joseph uh, R. Biden, President of the United States for Abuse of Power. That's not an impeachable offense, by the way, unless it, it's a crime. Enabling bribery and other high crimes and misdemeanors. The Constitution says the president, the vice president, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and condition of treason, bribery, and other high crimes and misdemeanors. That's it. You can't impeach a president because of his mental capacity. Dementia is not an impeachable offense. That's what the 25th Amendment is for, right? This same person has introduced eight articles of impeachment since this. Every time that there was something about Afghanistan withdrawal, there was an article of impeachment. That was a debacle. It was terrible. But that article of impeachment was for dereliction of duty. Here's the problem. The commander-in-chief of the military is the one who establishes what the duty is. How can you be derelict of the duty when you are at the top of the food chain, right? Now, if you violated the Constitution, yes. We're talking about impeachment. We're not talking about whether you're doing a good job or not. That's really what elections are for. All right, folks, got to take a quick break. Stay with us. You're listening to The Wall Builder Show. This is David Barton with another moment from America's history. Revisions today often assert that our founding fathers were atheists or agnostics or deists. This charge is not new. In fact, Patrick Henry was even called a deist in his lifetime. Clearly, no one could question his patriotism, but Henry was hurt that they would question his Christianity. Against the charge that he was a deist, Patrick Henry thundered, Deism with me is but another name for vice and depravity. I hear it is said by the deist that I am one of their number, and indeed, that some good people think I am no Christian. This thought gives me much more pain than being called a traitor. Being a Christian is a character which I prize far above all this world has or can boast. Patrick Henry was quick to refute the charge of deism and to declare his open belief as a Christian. For more information on God's hand in American history, contact Wall Builders at 1-800-8-REBUILD. Welcome back to the Wall Builder Show. Jumping right back in with Congressman Barry Loudermook at the Pro Family Legislators Conference. You're given a due process. This is what we're going through is investigation, finding evidence. This impeachment was hugely popular. I mean, I was getting phone calls and letters. You better sign on to this, these articles of impeachment. One said, impeach Biden now or you will lose my support. Impeach Biden. He's terrifying. Impeach Biden. He is unfit for office and is ruining our country. This is the one that when I got this phone call, this explained 
the entire reason, as it turned out, why this article of impeachment was put in. They impeached Trump. Why don't you impeach Biden? Well, both Trump's impeachments were unconstitutional. I fought against them. I made a speech on the House floor of how unconstitutional these impeachments were. In fact, I made one that went viral and drove my staff crazy. I compared the trial of Jesus. I was comparing Nancy Pelosi to Pontius Pilate. That's what I was doing. Of course, the media said I was comparing Trump to Jesus, and I'm like, no, no. What I was saying is Pontius Pilate, as bad as he was, gave more rights to Jesus by the right to face his accuser than Nancy Pelosi gave to Donald Trump. If you remember, he wasn't even allowed to have an attorney testified in the impeachment hearings, and none of us knew who the accuser was. Remember the whistleblower that Adam Schiff would never reveal who he was? And most of us were like, it probably isn't even a whistleblower. So this was um, a whole lack of due process. The second impeachment right after the January 6th attack, there was no investigation at all. I mean, it was like a couple days later, they're already opening articles of impeachment. It was totally political. So when I started communicating with this person of why I wasn't supporting them, I went through, okay, here's what impeachment is. We have to go through this. And we're going back and forth. And this is what they told me. The Democrats have already lowered the bar on impeachment in the Constitution. And we have to engage them on their battlefield. I said, so what you're saying is you're allowing the Democrats to establish an interpretation of the Constitution. And they said, absolutely. Because we have to do to them what they did to us, retribution. I said, okay, I understand where you're coming from, but where are you going to draw the line? Are we going to let them establish the bar for the Second Amendment now? Are we going to allow the Democrats to establish the bar for the First Amendment? Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of assembly. Well, they've already done that through COVID. But at what point are we going to raise the bar back to what we know it should be? And we can't do that and be intellectually honest if we're going to lower ourselves to their standards. Let's look at another one. It's, it's happened in July. So Congress, we have the duty of authorizing executive agencies by determining what power they have. And the FAA is one of those that does have federal jurisdiction. And we kind of want the FAA to be really good at what they do and have enough power to make sure that when we get on that flight, as I'm going to get on here in a little bit, that it's going to be safe. Um, and so this is generally a bipartisan bill. This one was actually a Republican reauthorization because what we were doing is going in and removing all the Biden wokeism. Um, we, we pretty much left everything in place except for withdrawing all the woke policies that the Biden administration put in. So it made it a partisan bill. But there was one amendment that came up that was to require airlines to reinstate pilots who were fired or forced to resign because of vaccine mandates. This was, I mean, a lot of my colleagues are like, wow, this is really good. But I started questioning it. So I talked to a staff of the Transportation Committee. I said, let me ask you a couple of questions. One, did the FAA force the vaccines? Because my understanding is they constitutionally couldn't, and the Supreme Court had already ruled on that. They said, no, no, the airlines are the ones that, that forced the vaccines. Does the FAA currently have any authority to determine who the airlines hire or fire. No, 
they set the qualifications to be a pilot, they can still hire you as a pilot, but if you don't meet those qualifications, then you can't fly. So I started realizing this was a huge, huge increase of federal power. I mean, a huge increase of federal power. What we were doing through this amendment was giving the FAA the authority to tell private business who they can and cannot fire. So I went and talked to the author about it. I said, do you realize this is what is happening? Said, yes, but this is what we need to do to get their jobs back. The people, I saw this, the, this is what the people of my district want. I said, do you not understand that for decades we've been fighting against reigning in government authority and we're about to extend it? They said, that's fine because this is what we're trying to achieve. I started getting phone calls because I voted against it. One guy called and, and uh, he told my office, he said, look, I am so disappointed in Representative Loudermilk. I'm a retired airline pilot. I've been a supporter. He will never get my support again, and I will fund whoever runs against him. And with the number of phone calls we were getting, it was amazing. This was just a little you know, three-line amendment that happened sometime at 9 or 10 o'clock at night on the House floor that people usually don't even hear anything about. Well, I realized I was dealing with a populist because in the back corner of the House chambers, you can walk up and get a printout of everybody by party who voted for or against your measure. This person had gone up and pulled every Republican that voted against it and had already tweeted it out to the masses. These are the feckless Republicans who, who are COVID supporters. You got to be kidding me. All right, folks, sorry to interrupt again. We've got to take another break. Stay with us. You're listening to The Wall Builder Show. Hey, guys, we want to let you know about a new resource we have at Wall Builders called The American Story. For so many years, people have asked us to do a history book to help tell more of the story that's just not known or not told today. And we would say very providentially in the midst of all of the new attacks coming out against America, whether it be from things like the 1619 Project that say America is evil and everything in America was built off slavery, which is certainly not true, or things like even the Black Lives Matter movement, the organization itself, not not the statement Black Lives Matter, but the organization that says we're against everything that America was built on and this is part of the Marxist ideology. There's so many things attacking America. Well, is America worth defending? Well, what is a true story of America? We actually have written and told that story. Starting with Christopher Columbus, going roughly through Abraham Lincoln, we tell the story of America not as the story of a perfect nation or a perfect people, but the story of how God used these imperfect people and did great things through this nation. It's a story you want to check out. Wallbuilders.com, The American Story. Welcome back to the Wall Builder Show. You're listening to Barry Loudermoke speaking at the Profami Legislators Conference. Let's jump right back in. I happened to be speaking at a Republican event, and this, this pilot was there. I didn't know it. And I explained this. He came up to me afterwards, and he said, I actually called your office and said I'd never support you again over this. But I didn't think about it this way. Because what I told him is if you extend that power to the FAA right now, government will gain. It will grow its power. In two years... They'll be telling airlines they have to hire transgender pilots, a quota, right? So that made a difference. The, the last one I'll touch on real quickly just came up this week, and it was the censure of Rashida Tlaib, who said some pretty incredible things. Again, I asked my staff, I was flying to D.C., I said, I, I need to see the basis of the censure. 
And it was uh, for anti-Semitic activity, sympathizing with terrorist organizations and leading an insurrection at the United States Capitol. I'm like, that last one I wasn't familiar with. I knew that there was a protest that took place and it actually was inside one of the office buildings, which uh, you're supposed to keep your protests outside. So I started reading the context of it. Here is what she said that was in, it was her comments that were, that were in the resolution, which are all protected under the First Amendment. Now keep in mind, the First Amendment doesn't protect you against speech that makes you comfortable. It protects speech that makes you uncomfortable. Let me define it this way. While I was in the Air Force, I was in leadership school, and we were, we were talking about the code of conduct. And one of the first lines of the code of conduct is that I am an American fighting member, and I'm fighting in the armed forces that guard my country and our way of life. I'm prepared to give my life in its defense. I'm sitting there, and we, we would group up in battle buddies, and I had a, my battle buddy was a, a black guy. The instructor was a pararescueman. I mean, it's just like special ops guy. He's a black guy, and he's He's talking about the willingness to give you life. Or do you guys all agree with this? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm willing to give my life for my country. So he looked at my battle buddy there, another black gentleman. He said, you, sir, do you believe this? He said, absolutely. He said, you're willing to give your life today for this country. He said, yes, sir. He said, so what you're saying is you're willing to give your life so that the Ku Klux Klan can have rallies and spew all kind of hate about you. That was the response the whole room had. He said, because that's exactly what this is saying. The government doesn't control thought or belief, only action. He said, are you willing to do that? That was a wake-up moment for me. Wow. So I'm thinking about this. There's nothing in that that warrants a censorship because it's all protected under the First Amendment. Even though the most horrific things she said that she got a comforting feeling when she thinks about the Holocaust. This is terrible but it's protected speech. I don't think this type person should be elected, but that's what the district chose. Tells you the, cu the cultural issue we have in this country. The other issue I was concerned about was the, um, the insurrection. As it turned out, she had nothing to do with the people getting into the, the building, but we talked to her office about this. I said, okay, where, was there or the, the author of the resolution like, was there any evidence that she was involved in it? No. Well, why are you calling it an insurrection? Because that's what they did to President Trump. They said his, his speech led to an inter, uh, insurrection, and we have to do to them what they did to Trump. So our response was, so you're saying we should lower ourselves to their standard if that's what it takes to get back at them. So it's retribution. Running out of time here real quick, but... What, how do we respond to this? One is our oath of office. In your oath of office, you swear to do one thing. There's only one thing that you swear in your oath of office, and that's to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. When I tell this to my constituent groups, they want to run me out on a rail, but I said, you tell me in that oath of office where it says I do any the will of you. Nothing. What this means is if 100% of my district wants me to ban guns, not only will I vote against it, it is my duty to fight against the legislation. On the other side, if 100% of my district want me to expand, or I have a bill that reduces the power of government and, and puts the power back at the states where it belongs, 
Not only is it my duty to vote yes for that, it is my duty to fight for that legislation. And lastly, you have to know what your principles are, and I believe you have to define them. This is something that I always go by. I may negotiate my preferences, but I'll never violate my principles. I'll negotiate my preferences, but I will not violate my principles. It's important that you know what your principles are. We talked about those documents our principles come from as constitutional conservatives, but you have to know them. You have to be able to defend those. My dad used to tell me this. He said, son, it's important to know. It's important to know what you believe. It's much more important to know why you believe what you believe. If you know why you believe what you believe, you can defend it at any time. As it comes down to it, we just know how to need to know how to communicate effectively. Final break of the day, folks. Stay with us. We'll be right back on Wall Builders. Hey, this is Tim Barton with Wall Builders. And as you've had the opportunity to listen to Wall Builders Live, you've probably heard the wealth of information about our nation about our spiritual heritage, about the religious liberties, about all the things that makes America exceptional. And you might be thinking, as incredible as this information is, I wish there was a way that I could get one of the Wall Builders guys to come to my area and share with my group, whether it be a church, whether it be a Christian school or public school or some political event or activity. If you're interested in having a Wall Builder speaker come to your area, you can get on our website at www.wallbuilders.com and there's a tab for scheduling. And if you'll click on that tab, you'll notice there's a list of information from speakers bios to events that are already going on. And there's a section where you can request an event to bring this information about who we are, where we came from, our religious liberties and freedoms. Go to the Wall Builders website and bring a speaker to your area. This is David Barton with another moment from America's history. Crime is one of America's most serious problems today. Its effects reach not only the direct victims of its violence, but even those who have not been attacked. The concern for crime has not been limited to this century, however. Our founding fathers were also concerned about it. Yet the effects of crime unquestionably were much less in their generation. So what was their deterrent to crime? Signer of the Constitution, James McHenry, answered that question. He explained, The Holy Scriptures can alone secure to society order and peace. In vain, without the Bible, we increase penal laws and draw protections around our institutions. Bibles are strong defenses. Where they abound, men cannot pursue wicked courses. Founding Father James McHenry believed that widely teaching the Bible was the best means to deter crime. For more information on God's hand in American history, contact Wall Builders at 1-800-8-REBUILD. Welcome back to Wall Builders. Jumping right back in with Congressman Barry Loudermook at the Pro Family Legislators Conference. We do have folks out there that are genuinely afraid. They're they're afraid of they're losing their country, and they don't understand the process. Many of them have never read the Constitution. If they do, they don't understand it. It's it's up to us to help educate them. More importantly, to educate our colleagues that have been elected as a result of a populist movement, and they're coming to this really naive. But the other thing is we have to be very careful, and I'm dealing with this as we speak right now, is to not throw my colleagues under the bus 
because I still have to abide by that 11th, Reagan's 11th Amendment, even though they don't, because I don't want to create an enemy on that side, but I do need to put myself, as I call the proximity, to have influence on them. We may disagree, puts a little more onus on me when I go back home, because I can talk to these groups directly and that they understand where I'm coming from. Now, some of them totally disagree. I've got a primary opponent who's out saying, hey, Barry's a really nice guy. He's a really rock solid conservative, um, but he's just not getting anything done because I'm not loud enough. That's what he tells me. He said, I don't hear, I don't see you pounding the podium. And so we have to balance some of that, but it's most important that people know where you are, where you stand, your biblical worldview, and as the Bible tells us, after doing everything to stand, stand, right? The populist movement's going to be short-lived. It may be another year or two years, but the more that we stand on those things that we've taken an oath to uphold and give good reasoning why we're opposing it, I think you at least get the ear of folks. We will win. Hey, I've read the end of the book. We do win. It's just how much do we have to go through to get there? So God bless you. Thank you for having us here. Thanks to Wall Builders. I hope you have a great conference. All right, folks, that was Congressman Barry Loudermoke sharing at the Pro-Family Legislators Conference, a three-part series. So if you're just listening today, be sure to go to wallbuilders.com and get the full series and share it with your friends and family. I mean, this is something that everybody needs to hear in this culture of populism. We need to do this the right way as constitutional conservatives and as biblical citizens. Our job is to do this from a biblical perspective and do it in a way that we pass the torch of freedom correctly to the next generation. So I hope that you enjoyed this presentation. I hope you'll share it with your friends and family. We'll be bringing you more of these Pro-Family Legislators Conference presentations uh, in the coming weeks. It's just great content. It's wonderful information. It'll equip and inspire you to be able to be a biblical citizen effectively in your community and then join with us all across the nation so that we can be good biblical citizens helping to restore America to her greatness and preserving that torch of freedom for the next generation. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution coach and a former Texas legislator, normally here with David and Tim Barton, David, America's premier historian and our founder at Wall Builders, Tim Barton, a national speaker and pastor and president of Wall Builders. And uh, they'll be with me uh, next week. We'll be doing our kind of returning to our regular programming with special guests and our Foundations of Freedom Thursdays and Good News Fridays. But we really wanted you to enjoy some of these Pro-Family Legislators Conference presentations. So thanks so much for listening. You've been listening to The Wall Builder Show. We'll be right back.